Welcome to Restore Gospel Podcast. Welcome back. I'm Mike Barrett. I'm Corey Stark. We are two friends having casual conversation about the things of eternity, and we welcome you into that conversation. Very rainy, rainy Saturday morning in Independence, Missouri. How you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. Hey, we've been talking about Zion for several weeks, and we want to finish that up today, but we had a couple of questions that were sent in, and I wanted to address those, Corey, and I know you're very familiar with Third Nephi 9, as we begin Jesus' words actually about prophesying about the Gentiles accepting the truth as the word comes forth in the Book of Mormon and what happens if they reject that truth uh, and how the gathering of Israel will commence and the new Jerusalem will be built on this land. So those three words um, that I wanted to just keep on our mind is Zion and New Jerusalem and kingdom of heaven and kind of talk about those and maybe how we interplay those words when we shouldn't and substitute them when we shouldn't and how sometimes they're even used in different ways and just keep that in mind. Even this past week, I saw emails go out about uh, some water mining of um, quarries in Atherton and, and the email was talking about protect the water of Zion and we realize that Zion's not here as we think as this perfect city um, with Jesus, but we use that term loosely as this place where we believe uh, a city of holiness will be one day. And, and that's kind of been used in church history, as you pointed out. Um, they were, oh, the fishing river, I think you already talked about that in a previous episode. They were marching to take back Zion and then um, we're calling it Zion, but it was more of a place, not obviously not a holy city that had been established. And I think one of the phrases we hear in the Restoration a lot is "build." Right? We need to build Zion. And what is that? <laughs> What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear that word "build"? Like, or, or what do you think our saints attribute to that word? Yeah, I don't know that the word "build" occurs even in the Book of Mormon. I, I, I see some of this as the the big problem is that you know we have drifted away from the teaching of the Book of Mormon and created this philosophy that's our own. And it's probably going to be fixed someday if we come back to the Book of Mormon. But I don't see a, I, I don't see a, a strong correlation between the, the ideas that we're going to build something like we just have to do it uh, with our, our thoughts in the scriptures, what they say. I think the scriptures say something a lot different. Mm-hmm. Well, even, um, <clears throat> Within the past month, there's a um, an email chain that goes out to, uh, I've heard, over 4,000 saints and people. Uh, the owner of that is very open and doesn't seem to censor a whole lot, <laughs> allows different viewpoints, yeah. which I really appreciate uh, because there's too much of that censorship going on. He allows uh, many viewpoints and, and different things. And there's uh, one newsletter that went out recently or, or, or post that um, – uh, this this person puts out quite often, but it was kind of a recap, and um, it said this that let's see here. The challenge for each of us every day is to put into action the fruits of our fasting, praying, and studying 
and with true charity for all, live for the kingdom of God to come soon. And that's that's beautiful. As evidenced at, um, uh, oh, they're talking about some reunions. Um, it says, the thing that will bring Zion quicker than we might imagine is to have and demonstrate the pure love of Christ within our homes and families and the network of branches in the center place. And that that's all very true. But this is what I see this theme in this next paragraph comes out a lot. And I wonder what you think about this. Zion is a responsibility of the saints of the restoration and for the world, but it cannot occur as long as branches and saints in the center place will not come together for a few Sunday nights of fellowship and worship. That's the theme that I hear quite a bit. Yeah. What What do you think about that phrase? Zion's, Zion is the responsibility of the saints of the restoration <laughs> and how we attribute that or maybe look at it in our culture. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, scripturally astute listeners are probably jumping up and down saying, Corey said there's no mention of build of, in the Book of Mormon, and there actually is. Specifically, it says the city New Jerusalem will be built, but it talks about by the remnant of Joseph, the people who are the original inhabitants. And so um, what we confuse, I believe, is this restoration of the church among the Gentiles that all of a sudden we're jumping forward and now we're building the kingdom. And it's like that's the disconnect. The problem is in the Book of Mormon, not the problem in the Book of Mormon, but the issue is in the Book of Mormon, the gospel has to return to the original house of Joseph in, in Israel in a way that it hasn't yet. And they're the ones who, who build the city. That's 3rd Nephi 10. And so I, I see this as the problem isn't any different today in 2021 as it was in 1832. Yeah, exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, and, and it's the same same problem that happened then. We get a bunch of people. It's like, oh wow, we're the restored church. Oh wow, we got the Book of Mormon. Oh wow, we get Zion. We got to gather. Then, hey, we're going to build Zion, Mike. And mm-hmm. it's like, read the pages of the book first, you know. And it's like it says something totally different, right? And and just to take one sentence out, uh, there was a lot of good things mentioned in that, but but it, it seems like it always comes, not always, but frequently it comes back to that to that same point that it likes to be made among those that are uh, in powers that be and, and preaching and things that Zion's the responsibility of the saints of the restoration and for the world. We're, we're to build this city for the world and it can't occur as long as we're uh, fighting amongst ourselves in the center place and not coming together to worship on Sunday nights. And, and it's like, what do you mean it can't occur? It surely will occur whether we're a part of it or not. And it's, <laughs> it's like putting all of the responsibility on us. And to me, that leads to fighting. That leads to pressure because it's like, you know, your boss at work telling a bunch of, you, of people to get together and do this project that's impossible in their own strength and, and, and the pressure's mounting and you've got to do it and you're failing. And that just leads to more fighting and more uh, pressure to do something that you are never going to be able to do the way it's been told that you're supposed to do it. Yeah, and I look at this too, like where did whoever's writing or us collectively, where do we get all this information about Zion anyhow? Right. You know, it's like, where, where did we come up with all these little things that, Oh, if we only do this, then we'll have Zion. It's like, if, if we know so many things, why hasn't anything happened regarding Mm -hmm. it? And it's like, I mean, I hate to be critical, but it's what it is. It's like people speak from their own heart on what they wish or want to happen. 
and this, the idea of Zion is something I think totally, totally different. Um, the infighting, like you talk about, yeah, that that's been going on forever. And the things that cause it, the underlying causes of it are that we have this generation of preachers and teachers and even just moms kneeling by their kid's bed at night who are just saying, well, if we do this, we'll have Zion. And it's like, we, we got to turn it, but no one's ever really offering the solution. No one's ever really offering the, the main solution, which comes back to uh, more of the process of, Hey, the, the gospel has to be real enough to us so we can share it with God's people. And then when they respond, the work begins. What's the scripture in doctrine and covenants? I'm trying to search it here, but apparently I'm not putting the right word. Establish the cause of Zion. Uh, yeah, cause of Zion. Um, because I think that's something that I've heard Keep, talked about often. Yeah, it's, there's a few of them. Uh, yeah, I guess there is. Keep my commandments. Seek to bring forth and establish the cause of Zion. And that's like DC 6 through about 19. <clears throat> yeah. And those were, I think, I don't know if David Whitmer spoke to the earlier revelations. Uh, I don't even know if these are the timeline that they were originally given, but uh, early on, I guess, the revelations came through the Urim and Thummim um, directly from God. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it was the Urim and Thummim or there was the, like the seer stone okay. thing. But yeah, either way, some something high tech. So, Seek to keep my commandments and seek to bring forth and establish the cause of Zion. That's that phrase there in our church, I think, has taken on um, a life of its own, and, and people have applied a lot of different meanings to that. Establish the cause of Zion as this great work that we have, or this building of the of a holy city, whether it be righteous businesses and associations or hospitals or places for our saints and all of these things are are great things but i wonder if in our mind we've we're still thinking we're supposed to be building zion and i don't know that that ever really if you laid that out on the table and said well what does that mean exactly what people's thoughts would be or what leadership in the church thinks that looks like for the people to be mm -hmm. doing mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting question. You know, it used to be in the earlier years in independence, you'd drive around and you'd see the bumper sticker RLDS or some church symbol on it. And, you know, you kind of knew you're connected with those people and people felt uh, just engaged because the youth services at the campus were overflowing on Sunday mm -hmm. evenings. And, and um, you know, we had a hospital and we had all these things. And it's like, it's, it's kind of easy to put your focus into certain things. And all those things meant that, hey, people were seeing eye to eye in a sense, you know, but there's, um, there's something through all that that was missed though. And I just feel like, um, I don't know, I'm probably not quite answering the question, but I, I sort of, I, I see this ability for any group of people to put their energy into a certain event and it can be a great thing, but it doesn't mean that the, say you want to decide you're going to build a building, you know, all of a sudden when, when churches are in disarray, all of a sudden if there's a building project, we're, we're going to build a new building. Well, for the next couple of years, everyone is engaged in their focus. doesn't mean they're any spiritually any better than they were, but they've got a focus and there's a task and there's something moving forward. And those things keep people assembled, you know, mm -hmm. they, they keep moving. Um, 
I think it draws us together and, and, and probably spiritually as well uh, in some aspect of that uh, during that time period, people are closer to one another and maybe love and charity and, and appreciation for our uh, talents as opposed to picking out what, what's always right. wrong with each other is probably present. But what happens when that project's over? Yeah. And that's kind of exactly, I think that's kind of where we're at now in these, this decade is that, you know, those projects are kind of done and now what's different. Well, nothing. And, and there's, there's the rub. We've got a, um, in, in this whole conversation, you know, coming back to Zion, there, there's two aspects to it. One is the aspect of Genesis nine, which we've covered, you know, when men keep all my commandments, Zion will again come to the earth. And then this, uh, comment made in the earlier sections of the doctrine and covenants in the 1830s at fishing river about, Hey, Zion could have been redeemed even now if it had been for the righteousness of my people. Well, people look at these two scriptures and that's their view of Zion and not realizing the disconnect of that. When Joseph Smith was referring to Zion could have been redeemed, that was the properties that had been taken away from people. Right. It would have been, I mean, imagine if he would have said the new Jerusalem would be established right here, even now containing, you know, going with the Book of Mormon. That wasn't it. They were talking about, again, like a Mount Zion or the place. Of, like Atherton Waters. Right, right, right. You know, that's the whole thing is that we've read too much into this. Uh, and and there's, there's where we've now got this, you know, great prophetic message coupled with something that was specific for a, a certain day and time. And this, um, it, it didn't erase the problem that people were still thinking our job is to march into Jackson County. I mean, if you read the uh, evening and the morning star, the publication of that day, you read how people were like, Jerusalem, uh, like, Israel's going to be flowing into Jackson County pretty soon, you know, and it was like this laminate territory basically still. Mm-hmm. And they were, they couldn't picture how it was going to happen. They just felt like all these words apply to us right now. And, and like I said, the, the big skip over was skipping over this whole part about the gospel going back to the Lamanites first. Yeah. You, you, uh, you sent me some emails uh, a few weeks ago that, on some articles you were reading in the evening and morning star and the time period, just tell our listeners the time period roughly for that publication way pre pre Nauvoo. And yeah. Yeah. So one thing coincidental is this, what we call section 76 had just come out. It wasn't called doctrine and covenant section 76. It was (laughs) simply called the vision. It was only, you know, within months and people were like, wow, you know, they were referring to the vision all the time. And, and so they were writing about it and, What's interesting about that, and I'll say this and let it go, is that in this same publication, it was like the, the first volume of this publication, they were saying, you know, it's so obvious, it doesn't need to be said, but we, as the editors, are going to say it anyhow, that this is talking about the millennium, right? You know, The resurrection. And, the the resurrection. glories or the resurrection of, of celestial and terrestrial is, is a type of... Uh, resurrection into the millennium exactly. of being before the final judgment. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't this, uh, this is your final state for eternity, like yeah. we've read into it now. Based on the mansions you've built up on the earth. Exactly, based works. on your merit. Exactly. Yeah. So I'll let that go. But the the point about Zion is that 
with all this going on, it was like all of a sudden we were getting these lists of, well, you have to be holy if you're going to live in the center place and you have to, or not the center place in Zion and, you know, no unclean thing can enter in. And so they start pulling in scriptures from Isaiah, for instance, and, and try to use this, see, here's the justification, you know, no more shall the uncircumcised and the unclean enter in and all this. It's like picking these things that, yeah, talk about Zion, but they were, they were in the wrong place at the wrong time, essentially that, yeah. you know, and you know, there was a book that, uh, there's a book, oh, I can see it, a burgundy cover. Uh, there's all kinds of testimonies of early saints. And one of the famous testimonies is one of Zion with these rings around it. And yeah. the beginning, Alfred White, yeah, mm-hmm. the middle is the holiest. And then you have other people and that just that scripture that you said right there, I believe is a convolution of taking a scripture in the book of Mormon and then establish, you know, twisting it into this place in Jackson County. And it says no unclean thing can dwell in the kingdom of God. That's in the book of Mormon referring to the final dwelling place of man. You're either in the kingdom of God or you're cast out and no unclean thing can dwell there. If we think that there's no unclean thing in uh, this city that people are coming up to to learn of their ways you think they're coming in perfect they're coming in to to learn about jesus to learn how to dwell and keep his commandments and that's where there's there's celestial beings that have already been with him teaching and there's this is my my viewpoint of it but i'm I'm basing this on scripture how can you think that there's no unclean thing in zion which i'm talking about a, a physical city here where people are coming to learn about jesus uh, this isn't the the holy kingdom of God yet where no unclean thing can dwell. It's cast out. This is a, this is a staging area, a growing place. Exactly. That's what Isaiah two speaks of. Nephi writes of it and and explains profusely, you know, that uh, in the last days, the city of God will be established in the mountains and the nations will flow unto it and they will learn of her ways. And, And that's when they beat their plowshares into pruning hooks. And this idea is that, the, the nations come to learn of God. And, and this is a different, this, this is, quote, Zion, but it's the physical New Jerusalem. I, I, I'm not sure that I understand it fully to say one way or the other that when, when this city comes down from heaven, it, it seems to be that if you look at the Doctrine and Covenants in the Bible, that it seems to be that event happens at after the last day at the new heaven and in the new earth. And, right. and and that's that's where no unclean thing dwells because everything is clean. And and that's that totally makes sense. It's like the burning of fire is like the baptism of the Holy Ghost to purge out the the bad. And this <clears throat> event leading up to it is so that the nations can learn and prepare. And we've taken this to me you know, we we've jumped so far ahead of ourselves that the Gentile church, us gets this city built and then the gate, the doors are closed and we're locked in and then we're waiting for this new Jerusalem to come down and God is with us and no unclean thing ever comes in. It's like, that's not how the story is told at all. Right. Yeah. They, they, uh, I mean, that's how we tell the story. I mean, but that's not how the scripture describes it. Yeah. First Nephi four fifty eight says, uh, the kingdom of God is not filthy and there cannot any, th- any unclean thing enter into the kingdom of God. The final state of the souls of men is to dwell in the kingdom of God or be cast out. That's a different. That's a different entity, place, topic than than Zion and. That is the final state. Yeah. The good news, though, is is in 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 Third Nephi nine and ten, it talks about 
Jesus uh, be, I will be in their midst, and then shall the work of the Father commence or begin, as I like to say, at that day, even when this gospel shall be preached among the remnant of this people. If Jesus is in our midst and and the gospel is yet to be preached, well, what's the purpose of the gospel? It's, yeah. it's, to, it's to bring righteousness among people. If people are already righteous, they don't need the gospel. Yeah. If they're not righteous, then they're unclean, but yet they're still allowed to come and hear the gospel. So that's, that's a fallacy to think that, that Zion is this holy place where only the perfect people are and everybody else is outside of it. And, and that's where these testimonies and uh, histories that we put so much stock in shape our culture and change the way we view the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that doesn't mean that those people that have those experiences are bad or that maybe misinterpretation and different meanings have been given to them through the years. And, and, uh, but it's not supposed to be gospel and shape what our whole understanding is. And you hear these things quoted so often in sermons and things that it, it has become gospel and it's not the, it's not the gospel that's written in the scriptures. Yeah. That's it right there. It's like, you know, if anyone's listening and wants the solution, it's like, just come back and teach the scriptures and not these things we hear about the scriptures that are not always pieced together properly. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. Um, I want to read this uh, question that was sent in by a listener. It says, the fact that in 3 Nephi 9, Jesus talks about the Gentiles getting baptized and knowing the true points of the doctrine connected to being numbered among the house of Israel, but in 3 Nephi 10.1, much farther down the timeline post-Zion, he says he'll establish his church among the Gentiles. And I wanted to say, I read through this, I don't think that it is post-Zion. No, that's what I jumped on. Yeah, right yeah, it's not post-Zion. So I read through 3 Nephi 9, and uh, it, it, well, you know this very well, especially around verse 53, it says, uh, I will gather my people together as a man gathereth his sheaves unto the floor, and I will make my people with whom the Father has coveted, Yea, I will make thy horn iron, and I will make thy hooves brass. Thou shalt be in pieces many people, and I will consecrate their gain unto the Lord and their substance unto the Lord of the whole earth. Real quick, so who's that speaking about right there? He's talking about the lame or the yeah. remnant of, of the Joseph. Yeah, yeah, it's the yeah. Blood, blood remnant, right? Yeah, and it shall come to pass at that day, the sword of my justice shall hang over them at that day. And, and who's to them? The Gentiles. <laughs> right. Except they repent, it shall fall upon them, saith the Father, yea, even upon the nations of the Gentiles. And then it says, and it shall come to pass that I will establish my people, O house of Israel, and behold, this people will I establish in this land. In which land is that? Our land. Our land, this this continent, unto the fulfilling of the covenant which I made with your father Jacob, and it shall be a new Jerusalem, and the powers of heaven shall be in the midst of this people. Yea, even I will be in the midst of you. Right. And then if you flip over to... 3 Nephi 10. 3 Nephi 10, yeah, it talks about... Um, He's explaining this very event now, when I will be in the midst of you. Yeah, if you will repent and hearken unto my words and harden not their hearts, I will establish my church among them. And who's the them? The Gentiles. Right. And they shall come in unto the covenant and be numbered among this, the remnant of Jacob, unto whom I have given this land for their inheritance. And they shall assist who? My the people, people, the remnant of Jacob, and also as many of the house of Israel as shall come, that they may... Build, build a city, city which shall be called 
the new Jerusalem. So it has not been established exactly. yet. So it's either jump back that. in time, but I don't even think that. It, it talks about, um, well, you have to read it, but it, it hasn't, it's not post-Zion. It's just now being established. That's the beginning of Zion. And the part that, um, in 3 Nephi 9 and 10 should not be divided into two chapters because right. it's one one thought. And this, the, the verses that precede 3 Nephi 10 verse 1, are the destruction happening on the Gentiles for not repenting. And this has always been in front of us is that, you know, we don't realize, <laughs> we keep saying, we're going to build Zion, we're going to build Zion. It's like, yeah, the faithful, of course, are not going to be forgotten in this and and we will be preserved. But yet the destruction on the Gentiles is not just because, you know, they voted for Joe Biden or something like that. It's, it's this greater wickedness. And I, I'm not trying to go political, but this, this could possibly I, be, could possibly be, <laughs> well, there's, yeah. So, but this, 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 it's greater than this. It's for rejecting the entire gospel. I mean, and you can be a Democrat or Republican or nothing but in the, and, and follow the gospel. There is actually truth to that though, that uh, <laughs> the destruction upon because of Joe Biden, not just that, but the fact that as a nation, we become so wicked that oh, yeah. our, our choices for leadership, whether you're, red or blue or right or left are just pathetic it's and then pathetic. and then even if you do get a president that tries to do something good uh the evilness surrounding uh, the people that spin the truth is just absolutely uh, overwhelming yeah, the media we we've been discussing a lot because i've seen some posts from some people that are, are just wonderful people working in the healthcare industry and then people that are a are good saints that oppose being vaccinated. And I was talking with my wife last night because our hospitals are now getting, well, her hospital is already mandated that every worker be vaccinated or they don't have a job. Uh, ours is, I'm sure, is just right around the corner because um, almost every hospital is, is heading that way. We were talking like, why, why are people so opposed to being vaccinated today as opposed to like when the polio vaccine came out and polio was eradicated in the earth or, or the measles and the mumps. And I've never suffered from any of those things because I was vaccinated. Uh, and then as is it because of the pride of men being lifted up that just men have this innate thing that I know better than anything else? Is there this mistrust of government and people that are putting out the data because of all of the dishonesty we've seen in, spun through media and things that we don't aren't able to really trust anything anymore. And I think that's a really scary place to be, but probably a lot of truth to that. Yeah, I, I think it's all of the above. I think it's everything you just said. And this idea that, you know, of independence, you know, it's like, I want to make my own decision. I don't want to be told. No one, no, the government did not mandate everyone had to have a polio vaccine. Mm -hmm. But, and then at the same time, there's the science behind the vaccine, which, you know, takes us in a different direction. That It's different from all right. other vaccines. It's not a vaccine in the end. It's something, a chemical yeah. that does different things to your DNA. I'll but, tell you, well, I'll tell you, once I was getting off topic, but not really, because this, this ties into this wickedness and things that, once I was vaccinated, I, I've honestly quit watching the news. I get all of my information from firsthand accounts of doctors that I trust, people that I know, and, and the actual what you're seeing every day. Uh, and, and one of the small circles were in the radiology tech said, I, I can honestly tell you the last 50 people that we've walked into the room and said, your lungs are full of COVID fluid and it, the outcome can be not very good for you. You have to be admitted zero were vaccinated mm -hmm. uh, uh just people talking 
um, that almost everybody on the vents right now have not been vaccinated. And that's to me is just, that's just data that you can't dispute that's right before your eyes. And so anyway, I, I just say that for those that are just bound up in all of the, well, at the, you know, at the same time too, there, there are, uh, groups of people who have been vaccinated who are still getting COVID. And so people are looking at this and maybe their COVID isn't as extensive, you know? It, right. It could very, be, oh, absolutely. You yeah. know? And so it's like the, the whole story isn't out there yet, but anyhow, there's too much, you know, you, you look back at what happened to president Trump versus Biden and who it looked like was winning the election and who wasn't. And all this is all tangled in one mess. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to separate it. I think if, if the politics of the presidency and all that stuff hadn't been what they were, I think people would have looked at this more objectively, but right. what's going on with that has made people really yeah. cautious of anything. I think, yeah. What my point <laughs> going back a little bit was just that, the the person in office today is a direct, um, well, reflection of the Gentile nation, and not just him. Right. The president before him, and, and <laughs> I was thinking back, like I would love the days where the choice was Bill Clinton or George Bush. Because oh from then <laughs> to now, you look at the way the government has changed. Yeah, I mean, I think oh in a heartbeat compared to where I was in the nineties. With yeah. you know, yeah, uh, good point. It's just so we see that this is a result where our country's at, where truth is elusive and mm. people's hearts are, are all over the place and angry at each other as a result of the Gentiles rejecting the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and, and I was going to say, and so bringing that back to Zion, the, the point of this destruction, to put it in a happy note, is that it's so that the nation can be free of, fornication of wickedness mm -hmm. of the abominations and so that a righteous city can be established and flourish and that's like you know and just not that it would happen this way but if it did you know can you imagine saying we're going to build a righteous city in the middle of the united states right now and all this you'd have for whatever reason you'd have so many people fighting against it working against it and trying to downplay any progress and anything and it's like it would just be this uphill battle continually that we would never arrived at the destination, right. you know, and yet there's going to be this, uh, emptiness in a sense, this cleansing of the plate that upon which, um, Zion is built eventually. And that's all that has to happen first. And it's like, we, we've got this, um, like I said, we've got the picture a little bit out of skew and that's, you know, the process basically is we got the gospel. We're supposed to send the gospel back to Israel and Joseph Israel I'm including that as one and these are God's words and God's words don't return unto him void so it's it's not going to be one of these things like oh well I told you to take to Israel but you didn't want to so okay well we'll just go with plan B instead it's like no <laughs> God's words are going to be fulfilled and so whether we realize it or not it's going to happen and so this it will happen. Everything's on schedule. And so this idea that when they receive the gospel, they're the ones who rise up, just like you said, you know, and their horn is iron and their hooves are brass and, yeah. and, and they go through and, and whatever that means. But this idea that there's destruction on the Gentiles and then there's this clean plate and the Gentiles who were repentant align with these people who are the covenant people of this land, whoever they are, wherever they are. And, and then a city is built. And what's interesting is that um, while people want to believe that the second time that the gospel goes out is now, it's like we're still in the 
pregame that the real time isn't until Jesus is back in our midst and he says it's at that city. That's when the second time begins. So when we, so when the message that comes out uh, amongst those in leadership positions and and things, it says uh, the saints have a responsibility to build Zion and the world so that the world can benefit. And we, if we don't come together and worship on Sundays, then that's never going to happen. That's just a false message, and it's a false hope, and it's a continual kind of beating and putting down of the saints. And I'm, I'm just so sick and tired of that when, when the message should be, you come to Christ, learn, pray for charity with all the energy of heart. Let him change you in the inner man and look forward to, to my people coming to build this city and that you may assist them. Yeah. You know, you talk about building projects that keep you focused. Can you imagine if the building project of the church had been or could be, let's figure out how we're going to organize and take this gospel, the true gospel, not just our, our mm-hmm. spin on it to the Lamanites, you know, and let's, let's work on that really hard. And let's not just do it once like happened in the early days of the church. What about, yeah. And what about the project preceding that is let, let's, uh, let's come together and, and make some, make a few points that this is how we tell if our hearts have been changed. And if that we're even, that we're <laughs> even worthy to go forth and take the message and let's make a pact that we're not going to take this gospel to anyone until our focus has been met. And that is like, Lord, change me in the inner man that I can be an instrument in your hands. Cause yeah. other than that, it's a failure after failure. You, before I wanted to read something, but before we do that, you had sent me another email on an article and just, uh, Tell our listeners what the the viewpoint of the saints in that article, which is just telling to me if our message or if our if our uh, work was to bring the gospel of the Book of Mormon, the plain precious doctrine, back to the covenant people, the saints were applauding the government for driving out the savages <laughs> and, and and printing these in the articles in the. So, what was their mindset to the people they were called to minister to? Yeah, right. Another evening in Morning Star. It's like the the publication had mostly church things, but then they'd have this section of and in the world around us, you know, they'd have these little prints. Who knew where they came from? But they were applauding this. It was like in Illinois where the. The savages were rising up against the people, but don't worry, our army can take care of them in one, you know, one punch or whatever. And it was like, kind of like forgetting the fact that these were the people we were supposed to take the gospel to. They were just people in our way, you know, and let's, uh, let's move on and build Zion instead and not making the connection. That was, that was all, it was like, you know, we, we got so far away from the original message. Now, who knows? Maybe they were going to be who they were, and maybe that article was justified and the, the reasons for it had their purpose. But at the same time, it just showed how showed the disconnect between our, our God's intentions and our intentions. Right. You combine that with the marching on Zion to take back the, quote, Zion and— uh, and then it was called off anyhow at the fishing river right yeah. after, after people walked all the way from Kirtland, Ohio. Right. Well, let me finish up. Just read once again, third Nephi 10, uh, this, because I think this brings home the idea of this unclean thing being, uh, in independence, Missouri, um, not allowed, uh, says if they will repent, the Gentiles hearken unto my words, harden not their hearts. I'll establish my church among them. They shall come into the covenant, be numbered among the remnant of Jacob, unto whom who the remnant of Jacob I've given this land, land for, for their, their inheritance. inheritance. Remember, we're just squatters. Mm. We're, we're <laughs> right. We're uh, 
it's not our land. It's the land. It's it's only ours by repentance and coming unto Christ. They shall assist my people, the remnant of Jacob, and also as many of the house of Israel as shall come. So what do we know about, quote, Zion, or let's call it, what do we know about the new Jerusalem in this area? The remnant of Jacob and the house of Israel will be coming here. And yeah, yeah, and it's built by them. And, and you know, we say this area, and it's like, I'm going to go with that because I, I feel like somehow in the revelatory process of Joseph Smith that was given, and it's a true statement. Um, and so we'll, we'll let we'll leave that as it is. It, it probably is all true. So this idea that this remnant has to be established in the gospel first, that day hasn't happened yet, you know, and that's mm-hmm. that's the first thing that's got to happen. And they may build a city which shall be called the New Jerusalem, and then shall they assist my people that they may be gathered in, which are scattered upon all the face of the land, in unto the New Jerusalem. And then shall the powers of heaven come down among them, and I will be in their midst. And then shall the work of the Father commence at that day, even when this gospel shall be preached among the remnant of this people. Yeah, and so looking at that, we can compare this back to Jacob 3, which is the parable of the olive tree and other places. Mm-hmm. But that's that's a really good telling of the same story. And this process happens when this vineyard has no fruit being born anywhere. There's no good fruit on any tree. And the way the master gets it back is to take some of the original tree that was transplanted and graft it back in, which means come to a knowledge of Christ to the original right. tree. And so I certainly feel like we've arrived at that place in our government, that there's no good fruit being born on any tree yeah. uh, in leadership positions in the country. Not that there aren't good people trying, but but the fruits of everything going on is just uh, just ulterior motives and, and conniving and dishonesty and, and all parts. You read the early history of our fathers and Abraham Lincoln and George Washington and some of these men and and I just I see people that wanted to serve the people and wanted a good thing for the people yeah, and, yeah. and wanted to be free to worship their God and um and that's just so far from where we are now, this country well, when it was established, you know. It, the Book of Mormon came forth and we've rejected righteousness and holiness, uh and we're gonna we're reaping the benefits of that in our country and well, what's interesting is whether we realize it or not on the world spectrum is that the same thing relatively that happened in our nation where we had a very conservative president to now what's becoming a, a very liberal president, not just moderate the way maybe people envisioned our current president, happened in Israel too. And this is, this is what people don't maybe realize is that you know Benjamin, Benjamin Netanyahu his last days in office were a couple months ago. Oh, man. Yeah, and he's been replaced by someone much more liberal, and the people, you know, were kind of like, what are we going to do? But yet, one day at a time. But so here we have both these countries that were, you know, uh, I don't care who you voted for, but I slept a lot better at night thinking that I don't have to worry that this president's going to back down to terrorists or something like this, you know, right? I, that kind of thing. Uh, we we're gonna, if, if any terrorists came, they were going to, be responded to with the full threat of the military. Well, this, um, and now we're negotiating with terrorists, right? So, mm. but this, this same thing happened in Israel. And I can't say that it just happened. I believe it's all part of the story is that both of these countries 
will come to their knees eventually, but I think Israel does first in a in a spiritual sense, mm-hmm. and then and then internally in our country, the the forgotten people come to their knees, and this. And I'm just talking. I don't have any facts other than just a hunch. This is kind of what begins to unfold in our country is that those people, when they become righteous, you know, it starts this new process of Jesus' uh, work. And then he comes among us. And this this is exciting to, to see what the Book of Mormon has said all along, that this uh, city will be built. And, and, you know, it's never mentioned as Zion at this point in time. It's always the New Jerusalem, the physical New Jerusalem. What I've found in the um, Book of Mormon is that there's a parallel. There's a physical New Jerusalem and there's a spiritual New Jerusalem. And that's more mentioned in uh, Ether 6. But this idea, what happens is this old Jerusalem physical and the New Jerusalem physical of the cities are paralleled with the old Jerusalem spiritual and the new Jerusalem spiritual, which is gonna gonna happen. There's there's kind of a cool way it's it's shared, whether we see that or not. The point being, uh, these things all happen when Jacob and Israel come back to God in a new way, and the the Gentiles, us whoever who are repentant, we get to be in that process too. But the difference is that we are not just leading the show, and it's like. You know, we can study and pray and fast for the kingdom every day, and we should be. But yet, the way it unfolds is a different plan than what we're being told from our pulpits. Right. Yeah. So, <clears throat> to me, uh, I mean, a great message would be seek to allow the Lord to change your heart. And, yeah. and, and here's some measuring sticks, and is this going on in your life? And look nowhere else to any other duty, to any other challenge in your life but to pray with when when he says pray with all the energy of your heart he, he really means that <laughs> until your heart is changed and you love me and i am i am on my throne in your life and there's no other idols before you and you have been changed and your desire is to love other people and bring them to me your number one desire then don't don't uh, go out and look for any other task to do. Just don't. It's it's not going to be fruitful anyway. Mm. And I wanted to read. That kind of brings us to our to a second question that I thought was worthy of discussion from a listener. It says, "I'd love to hear a discussion on the kingdom of God." I brought this up before, but it bears discussing as the Book of Mormon makes it clear that it's where you're saved too. But Jesus in the New Testament discusses it in the present tense. I know when many restorationists read Kingdom of God, they read Zion. Also, and this gets mentioned in your discussions, but there's something powerfully disruptive in the way we understand the word, quote, build, that Joseph Smith added to the verse, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Hmm. It's not written that way in the Book of Mormon, and it only got changed in Matthew. Um, That's really interesting. There's a scripture... uh, Scripture in Matthew says, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and hearing all manner, healing all manner of sickness and all diseases. Oh, and by the way, I love restored gospel. Finally, uh, this is so great. You don't have to carry around the Joseph Smith translation to constantly compare if you're reading something that's changed in the King James that under scriptures, when you search in the inspired version, 
If there's a difference, there's a little green box underneath the scripture that says King James difference exists. Hmm, you click cool. on that and you can read them side by side. I appreciate Completely that. Completely implemented, which is just wonderful, Corey. Thank you for your uh, <laughs> so much work. <laughs> so and we know in the New Testament, and I, my favorite people, Delbert Smith and Ron Smith, and, and his teaching and his ministry was always that Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. Well, what is the gospel of the kingdom? It's the it's the good news that um, that you can be perfected and cleansed and purified by Jesus Christ, and that He is the sacrifice for our sins, and that um, that it's the message that allows us to dwell in the eternal kingdom, the eternal place. So that gospel of the kingdom, in my opinion, is different than. Uh, what it says in First Nephi 4, where it says the final state of the souls of men is to dwell in the kingdom of God or be cast out. That's the eternal, final, perfect world, perfect kingdom of God, whether you're either saved in the kingdom of God or you become a son of perdition. Jesus says in 76, this is the gospel. This is my gospel, that all men will be saved except the sons of perdition. And that's where there's no uncleanness. There's no unrighteousness. I was just reading this last night in the story where Lehi and Nephi, the missionaries, the sons of Helaman, are in this prison and about to be killed, but fire comes down. They hear a voice saying, repent, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, this is interesting that it says it at this place in time. I mean, does that mean it's Zion? Does that mean it's the end of the earth? Does that mean the earth has been rolled together like a scroll and burned with fire? And the answer to all that is no. It's simply that God's power was fully present. So so much we can see the evidence of, of it, a complete change of the hearts of people who are wicked, and now they're missionaries and they're telling everyone about mm-hmm. Christ, and they become more righteous than the Nephites. And and I thought about this when you, when you asked this question. It's like, what is what is this kingdom of heaven? Yeah, it's it's maybe this physical entity way out there in the future, but it's just as much the complete change of heart now that happens when Jesus is in our midst, and <laughs> you know, and that's what it is. I think that's that's this thing that we have to seek, and that's where we we can't just think, oh well, it just means Zion, and we have to build it and all this stuff. No, we're missing the bigger <clears throat> point. So that's the message: is not that. Uh, it, the saints are called to build Zion. The restoration saints are called to build Zion, but it's that the restoration saints are called to have the kingdom of heaven come unto them. Yeah, yeah, and to be changed Perfectly by that. Be changed by that, that. That that that's what that is. So I think we've we've talked a lot about Zion and the kingdom and the New Jerusalem. But to summarize, I think one point I want people to get is that Zion is not. A holy, this holy kingdom where only the perfected, righteous, quote, celestial glory people will be. And then there'll be little rings outside of that where lesser people, that <laughs> Zion will be a place of learning and people growing. And I'm sure there will be uncleanness and sin there. But people are on a trajectory to get rid of that in their lives. But it's <laughs> not the final perfect thing where no uncleanness can dwell in the final kingdom of God. So in that concept, Zion is not the kingdom of God. But as far as a people who's had the kingdom of God come to them and change them as Jesus came preaching that kingdom, that's going to be where Zion is, where those people are 
having that experience. Yes. Yeah. And then they become that, so you know, filled with that celestial glory. Um, and, and they go from uh, being good people of a, of a terrestrial type of light to a, a celestial being that's had the kingdom of come unto them and they've been, been transformed in the inner man. You know, this whole idea of uh, expressing desire, sincere desire, that's ultimately what it comes down to. You know, I, I noticed this in the Book of Mormon reading recently. When Jesus comes to this land and we know about the three days of destruction and then we hear this voice saying, you know, to all these people, hey, this happened to you and you're covered with earth so that, you know, the blood of the prophets and everything could be satisfied. I can't remember the exact wording of it and maybe that's not so much important, but it keeps saying that, you know, because they were unrighteous, they were unrighteous. And then he speaks to the people that were saved and he says, you were the more righteous part of the people that were saved. And the people that had been not saved had cast out the prophets and had not accepted their teachings and had looked to their own hearts to fulfill their mischiefs. And then what we realize, and this is what I realized, is that he says, and this is in the, the Book of Mormon, I just want to read this from Third Nephi chapter 4, verse 66. And it was the more righteous part of the people which were saved. And it was they which received the prophets and stoned them not. And it was they which had not shed the blood of the saints which were spared. And, and they that were spared were not sunk and buried in the earth. And they were not drowned in the depths of the sea. And they were not burned by fire. Neither were they fallen upon and crushed to death. They were not carried away in the whirlwind or overpowered with the smoke, vapor of smoke and darkness. The, the point is that... The people who were spared were not like perfect people either. It just said, you didn't kill the prophets, right? You did mm -hmm. not You did not do these bad things that the other people did. I'm going to give you a chance. And this is what God has been saying all along. And this is what <clears throat> right. Zion is, right? right. These are people who aren't perfect in their ways necessarily, but they're going to come and they're going to learn about it. And, and so what do we get here in this, you know, in the same day, all of a sudden, Jesus, the kingdom of hand, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus comes and, and this is the great work. Yeah. Jesus comes to those people, the, the more righteous, but definitely not the, un, not the clean and, and with no semblance of uncleanliness. And he groans within himself as he sees them there and he prays for them. And then at the end of that, he says he, he rejoices and joy came to him, and because somehow through that prayer and being with them, I think he had to, that it changed them. They couldn't Everything. even write the words, and then it said yeah. there was not any greater faith found. Yeah, that's yeah. the pattern that uh, I think should be the message for the saints. Saints, seek him. Has the kingdom of God, has the kingdom of heaven, come unto your house? Has it come unto your heart? Let it do that, and and rejoice that the Son is returning and is going to lead us to begin the work of the gathering of all people. That's an eternal message. Yeah. And so I hope, do, any other uh, summarizing thoughts on Zion, Corey? Uh, no, we've pretty, hit it pretty well, I think. I mean, you know, there's obviously more we could say, but. As a culture shift, I there's just a few real good points, though, that I think we've we've talked about, and that's the, getting rid of this idea of building, building a Zion and rather um, having your complete life changed in knowing that that fruit is present with you, that Holy Spirit and this great love and charity for your fellow man and, and seek to seek to bring the kingdom of heaven under your house and under your own soul. And, and I was going to say, and, and if that's your focus, if you do that, 
if if you seek the change that Jesus wants us to experience, you're, you're going to bloom where you're planted. You're going to spend every day of your life trying to do something good, mm-hmm. something better. You won't just live for yourself. And that's what we can hope for. That's all we can hope for because the timing of everything is in God's hands. We're not going to speed it up. We're, we're actually not going to slow it down either. But this idea, we don't know the day or the hour of anything really other than, hey, we've got today. And so what can we do with our life today that brings the people around us closer, that makes us you know, more sustained in him? And, and those are the things that if we work on that, the kingdom of God is going to take care of itself. Yeah, and Zion is not the end. It's, it's actually a work in progress. It's a project, an ongoing project, it seems like, that continues through the millennium where people are constantly coming and being changed and coming to God and Christ is with us working. And it's leading up to the great and new earth, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God where where no unclean thing will be. And that's that's quite different than Zion, which is a kind of a working station, a, a work in progress where people are being transformed and changed, but where they have that ability allowed to be, be able to do that, that they don't have to be perfect first to just come here. Right. And, and so, you know, someone may have listened to what we were just saying and, and say, well, but the Book of Mormon says there's going to be people who say, don't worry, Zion's fine. You know, this is in like Second Nephi 12 where it's warning people don't be lulled by Satan because he's going to tell you, you know, Zion's prospering all as well. It's like, no, we're not saying that. We're not saying don't focus and, and think about these things like they're not important. They, they are, you know, eternally important. But this focus that we're getting to say, hey, we have to build Zion. And if you do this, it will happen sooner. You know, it's like, the, this is the kind of stuff we have to separate from truth and and learn the real principles of the kingdom and learn the principles of the change that's got to happen for all of us or or there is no kingdom, I mean, in right. terms of our, our participation. Yeah, God said the, prof- the prophetic ship has sailed and no one's going to change its course. Uh, God's got it on its pathway and its timeline. It, it's, it's uh, do we... Do we want to fit in? How do we want to fit into that prophetic ship? You know, mm-hmm. and, and how do we want to, what side do we, where do we want to be at? How much, I should say, how much do we want to continually suffer because of our own choices yeah. uh, until we submit to him? Yeah. You know, I, I look at like the community of Christ Church that for right now, anyhow, they're they're not, you know, I, I, maybe completely is too strong, but not really holding to this line of scripture at all or this understanding. If so, it's very quiet and it doesn't make the headlines if, if anyone's holding on to this view. But I feel like the people in the in the community of Christ Church need to come back to the truth of the Book of Mormon and not reject it the way they've done. The people in the Restoration, it's the same. The biggest problem is that we've got the Book of Mormon and we're doing something else. And, and we don't think we are, but it's, it's true is that we're not listening to we're not abiding by the book of mormon and the teachings that it shares yeah and and maybe maybe next time we can touch on that a little bit more well that sounds great i uh it's been good to talk with you again it's been quite a while yeah it's been a while it's good to visit with you brother thank you thank you oh yeah what are we supposed to do mike walk each other home (laughs) amen (laughs) 